Welcome to In Session, Conversations with University Counselors. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. In this series, we welcome a number of Queen's University alumni who serve on Queen's University Council. And from them, we learn much about their time as students at Queen's, their career paths after convocation, and what drives their motivations to serve the Queen's community as council members. Welcome and enjoy. Hello everyone, I'm Dinah Jansen and I'm in the virtual studio today with Rico Garcia, Queen's University Alumni Association President and QUAA appointee to Queen's University Council. Hello and welcome back, Rico. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be back in the waves with uh, with CFRC uh, on your show. Thank you for having me. I know I was a volunteer back in the day uh, with CFRC for many years, so it's uh, great to be virtually back. Oh, thanks for mentioning your time at CFRC. We're so excited to have you back on the airwaves again. Folks, Rico was a longtime volunteer at CFRC while a student at Queen's University, alongside his brother Max on the long-running program, If North Were South, for I believe, I think, seven years, right, Rico? Yeah, it might have been actually a little bit longer. It might have been eight or nine, almost nine years, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, and Max is just uh, is in the apartment uh, in the other room working from home. So uh, we live together now in Toronto. Great. Please give our best to Max as well. Now, folks, not only is Rico the QUAA president, a CFRC alumnus, and member of the Queen's University Council, he's also an established consultant with McKinsey & Company in Toronto. Rico, can you share a little bit more about yourself and your career? Yeah, so I think uh, a little bit more about myself. Uh, the short spiel is... Um, I grew up in Mexico, in Monterey, Mexico, uh, and moved to Canada in 2009 to attend Queens, right? So I studied economics and global development studies at Queens, was supposed to graduate as an arts I-13, but because of my involvement in student government, I stuck around for an extra year, graduated as an arts I-14. Um, and um, right after graduation, I joined McKinsey & Company as a business analyst at the time, uh, which was a great sort of uh, general kind of role to get exposed to different industries, uh, providing sort of different advice to private sector, um, mostly companies. And so at the time I did uh, two or three years um, of um, serving financial service institutions, uh, mostly banking, uh, banks, insurance companies, had a chance to travel a fair bit, um, and then did my master's of public policy and returned back to McKinsey, but now with more of a focus in serving public sector entities. So I now provide advice at the intersection of public sector and financial institutions. That's kind of a, where I'm uh, my niche and my passion lies more in economic development. Um, Thanks yeah. so much for sharing. Now, our listeners would love to learn more about your time as a student at Queen's University. You did mention your time in student government, and you talked a little bit about your studies, but can you break it down a bit further for us? Tell us uh, a little bit more about your studies and maybe more about some of the activities in which you were engaged outside of your coursework. Yeah, so I think... Uh... Uh, although I did my major in economics and uh, my minor in global de development studies, many of my friends will say I probably majored in student government, right? So I, uh, uh, right early on from first year, I, I ran to become the class president for the class of 2013 within the arts and science undergraduate society. And that kind of uh, got me in a path of just getting more and more involved. So I was, uh, I served as a senator um, representing arts and science faculty or like arts and science students at the university senate. Um, I uh, ended up taking on different positions. And I think the the biggest uh, leadership position I took early on was um, leading the arts and science undergraduate society. So I became the president uh, during my third year at Queens um, and then uh, just continued to get involved. So after ASSES, 
I, um, I attempted to, uh, to run, well, I ran for president of the AMS, was unsuccessful, but I think uh, looking back, it also opened up other uh, great opportunities with the Queen's Student Alumni Association. Um, so I think I had my eyes set on the AMS and then uh, ended up uh, landing in the, the Student Alumni Association by virtue of not getting that other position, um, just exposed me to other opportunities for leadership on campus. And, and that really involvement with the Student Alumni Association um, really, I think, changed the course of, uh, of my career, of my involvement, and led me to my volunteering today, right? I met some wonderful folks uh, like Ben Seawold at Alumni Relations, who became great mentors. Um, and I, I'll remember Liz Gorman, um, who was, uh, I guess, um, Ben's boss at the time, um, and by de facto also kind of my boss. Um, she said, once you, uh, this is like Hotel California, once you come in, like uh, you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave kind of thing, right? And so um, it was very much true. I, uh, I eventually took on some roles with the AMS uh, with their board of directors, but I always stayed involved with the QSA and with the QUAA uh, immediately after graduation. Sue Bates, who we were chatting about earlier, recruited me to the board. I was the um, uh, director of awards. So uh, we were revamping our awards portfolio. So I took in that role as the director of awards, then uh, director of the Alumni Volunteer Summit, uh, became the uh, vice president of operations, and then eventually about six or so years later of volunteering with the QEA became uh, the president, uh, which I serve now in my first year. Well done, you. It sounds like you've had quite the journey through your academic career and beyond. I also think you have a lot of great leadership experience that has helped you along your academic and career pathways. I think that some of our student listeners out there would love to hear about your career trajectory since graduation. Rico, can you tell us more about the journey from Queens to Harvard and now with your firm in Toronto? Yeah, I think, uh, um, I mean, to, to HKS, it was, um, I knew I wanted to do grad school uh, at some point. Uh, and I was toying with the idea of doing an MBA. Um, went to a couple of info sessions, but quite frankly, I just couldn't feel super excited about doing a whole first year like core curriculum of uh, your typical marketing, um, finance kind of courses. And when I started talking to people who had done a master's in public policy, um, they, the types of courses they were speaking about uh, were much more interesting uh, to me. Um, and I could very much just see, see myself in the classroom and it'd be a different type of network than the business network that I would have uh, developed as a consultant myself. So um, I went uh, in and I was lucky enough to be uh, sponsored by, uh, by my work to be supportive of me going there for two years and then um, having uh, my job back um, as well. And so um, it was a seamless transition that way. But it was uh, two amazing years at Harvard of uh, great professors, but mostly the um, the caliber of the speakers that would come in for conferences on a daily basis. Um, you'd be grabbing coffee and the likes of like a Ban Ki Moon, like former Secretary of the uh, United Secretary General of the United Nations, would just be walking by, like grabbing a coffee, like right behind you in line, kind of thing, right? So. Um, it was a tremendous experience. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, recently, CFRC was fortunate to participate in Homecoming 2020 through broadcasting the main event co-hosted by yourself and fellow CFRC and Queen's alumna, Sheila Rogers of CBC. That's right. We sure had a great time behind the scenes working with the team in alumni relations, but I wonder if you can share with our listeners more about the work you and Sheila Rogers did with alumni relations to host such a huge worldwide main event virtually for the first time ever. Yeah, that's right. 
I mean, it was a it was a daunting task going in um, as a co-host uh, with somebody like Sheila Rogers, right? Such an an accomplished uh, individual and um, one of our proudest probably CFRC and uh, and Queens alum alumna in this case, right? And uh, um, so it was such an honor to be able to co-host uh, alongside her, uh, and she made everything super easy, right? We had a, a couple of rehearsals um, and the week ahead of homecoming. But, uh, you know, her her ability to just make everyone around her be so welcomed and so um, almost like chill, like no pressure and make it like a true conversation. Right. Uh, she's quite talented uh, that way. Um, and so it was truly, uh, truly a pleasure. I think uh, going into the planning, it was interesting because I recall, you know, when when COVID first happened, I took over from Jeremy Mosher as president of the Alumni Association. Um, and we couldn't do it at the uh, Alumni Volunteer Summit, the annual general meeting, and that um, uh, awards gala that happens typically in Kingston in May. Um, and so we're, uh, we're in March and uh, April. And um, when that couldn't happen, um, we obviously then had to transition online um, and just adjust all of our programming, right? So uh, homecoming, um, I didn't want it to be canceled. And we said, okay, there's an opportunity here to still do something. And I think um, as hard as 2020 has been, it's presented an opportunity for also um, a lot of new um, uh, new things, right? And so new ways in which we can engage, right? So I think um, when I reflect on homecoming, it's obviously the in-person experience, nothing will ever rival that, right? The ability to be on campus and feel the queen spirit and go to that homecoming game. Um, but then it's not something that is accessible to every single one of our alumni, right? Whether it's uh, people who live abroad, um, people who are uh, of a certain age um, and are unable to come to campus for X, Y, or Z reason. Um, and this presented an opportunity to engage alumni we had not engaged in many, many years, right? So we had over 2000 alumni come together uh, virtually for a series of uh, um I assume like uh, kind of videos, talks, uh, speakers. Um, and I, I think it was great. Like the feedback we received was tremendous. And as we look forward to next year, we'll definitely be planning, uh, hopefully, a knock on wood for the in-person event. But we'll always be, I think, from now on, complementing it with a virtual add-on type of experience to really engage all 150,000 of our alumni. Amazing. Thank you so much. All right. I'd love to be able to pivot back now to University Council. You, as the Queen's University Alumni Association president, are appointed to University Council. I'd love to, I'd love to learn a little bit more from you today about the kinds of things you do on Council. Right. So University Council has gone through um, a bit of a transformation in the last couple of years. I recall going to my first University Council meeting as a student leader back, uh, would have been maybe 2011 or 2012. Um, and at the time, it used to be over 100 individuals coming together in Kingston only like once a year. Um, since then, there's been several changes uh, to university council. So we now have, I believe, just about 40-ish um, counselors. Um, and it's uh, the smaller groups allows for, I would say, like better conversation. And I think now it's no longer just a one-time meeting that takes place um, once a year. And now it's a series of conversations throughout the year. Um, University Council, it's a bit of a unique body because you're not responsible for the academics, that's Senate. You're not responsible for the finances, that's the Board of Trustees, but you're helping set a little bit of that strategic 
um, direction, providing feedback. Um, you have a couple of university counselors that end up joining the board of trustees and uh, you have some representation there, but you're supposed to take a step back as well and just uh, guide um, the university and also be an ambassador for the university too. Um, so as the QEA president, I am uh, an ex-official member on university council and it's been great to be a part of conversations about the future of the university, especially in a context now where there's so many challenges. Uh, I mean, we look at EDII uh, type of challenges. Um, we look at the financial uh, aspects of the university in light of COVID. Um, and so I think there's a lot of interesting conversations and it's been great to be a part of those. So the University Council nomination period is soon forthcoming. In your view, Rico, why should alumni consider running for a seat on University Council? And though you're appointed, what inspires you? Yeah, and and I'll I'll say um, um, why why others should do it, and what I've what I've told people in the past, right? I think uh, maybe had you asked me this question like ten years ago, I would have said, mm, you know what, University Council, frankly, doesn't do as much. They come together for a meeting, and and that's about it. But I truly have seen the change in University Council in the last decade uh, to really being more of an integral part of uh, of many conversations. Uh, that are taking place um, uh, from the governance of the university um, moving forward, right? So um, I am, I've been quite encouraged by the types of conversations we're having. Um, university Council appoints uh, the new chancellor, for example. We have the representation of the board of trustees, um, and especially when it comes to equity, diversity, inclusion, indigenization. I mean, you look at the councillors that joined in the last, uh, last election, and it's probably the most diverse council uh, we've ever had. Um, and and those council members are bringing truly unique perspectives that were truly missing in the past in our university. Um, and uh, that has brought to the forefront a lot of issues. And I think it's been quite advantageous for the university um, to, to move that EDII agenda. So I think uh, for all alumni who are listening and who are thinking about getting involved um, and they want to help shape uh, the future of the university and provide a little bit of their giving. When I talk about giving, I break down to three. So it's the your, your three T's, your time, your treasure, and your talent. Uh, so you're either a volunteer, you donate to the money financially, um, or you can donate also a little bit of your, your talent, right? And this is a way, if you have some expertise, if you bring in a unique perspective, um, to be able to raise your hand and say, I want to be nominated and, uh, and be on the council. So, Rico, you're clearly a person who loves giving back to the university through your volunteerism and leadership. Why is it so important to give back? Yeah, I think, frankly, because I wouldn't even be here had it not been for Queens, right, and Queens alumni. And so that's why I give back to the Alumni Association, to the university with both my time, my talent, and my treasure. Um, I mean, I... As I said earlier in the interview, I grew up in Mexico, and the reason why I ended up at Queens was because I had Queens alumni uh, who were my teachers uh, back in Mexico, and uh, uh, and they helped uh, shape sort of my university experience, make me feel welcomed, uh, and have that family away from home, right? Um, and so that was like one way in which my journey was shaped by alumni. When I look at my current role, I was hired, um, I was kind of like recruited actually by an alumnus. Um, of Queens who told me, he's like, hey, have you ever considered consulting? And I said, isn't consulting something you do after you have like decades worth of experience and you can then add some value? And he said, no, no, we're actually looking for young people who are willing to 
to learn quickly, who can do analysis, who can um, truly be like entrepreneurial and and um, and drive some insights and and help our clients, right? So um, that had it not been for that conversation, I wouldn't have had consulting in my radar, and I wouldn't have gotten hired at McKinsey. So um, really, I wouldn't be here had not been for those those Queens alumni, and that's the reason why I give back, right? I think, um, yeah. So, Rico, we're living in strange times, and hopefully we won't be in the situation forever. But mm-hmm. have you any advice for alumni on staying engaged with one another and with the university during the pandemic? Yeah, I think definitely staying in touch with one another um, is truly important. I think we've seen great examples of um, of alumni and students volunteering for initiatives where you're calling um for example like new graduates right you're calling new graduates and welcoming them to the alumni association or students um and younger alumni volunteering to call uh alumni who are elderly who might be suffering from isolation um and it's truly important i think for for many people's mental health uh to have just somebody uh, call you and say they care and 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 ask how you're doing right so those are sample examples of people sort of giving back and connecting with one another. Um, I think uh, of two ways of sort of engaging with the university. And one is to attend sort of like those events or make uh, some events like volunteer with your branch, volunteer with a chapter um, and really help create that sense of community. And the second one is to simply reach out to your friends, right? Um, I think um, I've been able to like have, um, for example, a holiday party uh, just recently, a few days ago, with a couple of my old roommates from Queens, right, where we just got in a Zoom, we had a funny, like, trivia presentation, um, and it was just a great way of, like, uh, continue to have some of that community. So uh, pick up the phone, reach out to um, that old roommate of yours or a floor mate, a person you volunteered with, and and just bring people together, right, um, as a friend, um, especially in a time where where I think that's tremendously needed. Okay. All right. Have you anything else to add before we close the program today? No, I think this has been uh, great. Uh, thank you for, for having me. Um, always a pleasure. And I look forward to being uh, uh, in the waves, in the airwaves again soon, um, uh, speaking more about the QEA with you. Amazing. And well, Rico, you can come back and program your show again, too. We'd love to have you. <laughs> Folks, we've been talking with Rico Garcia, Queen's University alumnus, Queen's University Alumni Association president and appointee to Queen's University Council, who has graciously given us so much of his time to chat about his time at Queen's University, his career path since, the work he does with QUAA, and of course, the work he does with the Queen's University Council. Thank you so much again, Rico. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for having me. It's been a it's been a pleasure. And now in uh, uh, 2021, let's hope it's a it's a much better year than 2020. And look forward to visiting CFRC uh, soon. Thank you. Hello. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In Session Conversations with University Counselors. I'm Dinah Jansen, and today I'm in my virtual studio with Tika Pinnock, and she is a university alumna as well as a member of University Council. And Tika is going to tell us all about her time at Queen's and some of the stuff that she's been doing with University Council since her election. And we'll learn a little bit, too, about... Uh, how to stay connected as students and alumni, and more. Thank you so much for joining us, Tika. Good morning. Thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, certainly looking forward to our conversation about Queen's Council and the fun stuff we're doing. Amazing. So before we launch into all the fun things about University Council, let's hear a little bit about you and your career path since leaving Queen's. Uh, it's been hard to think that it's been more than a decade since I left Queens and sort of like two cycles of students have come and gone uh, since then. The time is certainly flying. Uh, I graduated from Queens in 2007, uh, went on to do my master's at LSC right after with the intention of either going to law school or doing a PhD. Uh, but then I started working <laughs> and that never happened for, for some time. Um, most of my work has been at the intersection of the nonprofit sector and community-based research. So I started out uh, working at York University on a research project for a number of years that was doing community responsive and community engaged research um, in Northwest Toronto working on developing the assets for young people of mostly, mostly young people of color mm -hmm. um, in that community. And then I moved on to um, Tropicana Community Services, which is one of the, or the largest black led and black serving nonprofit organization in Canada, uh, ended up at the University of Toronto working for their students union, and then back to York uh, doing research. So I have found my way around the non-for-profit sector um, professionally for the last decade uh, and a little bit. And then a year ago, I decided to return to school <laughs> after a, a long academic hiatus to pursue my, my PhD in politics um, and not necessarily looking at stuff that I did in the nonprofit sector, but around development. So that's my career in, in a nutshell, uh, but I've also remained, I think, very active in the community. So I serve on a, a number of boards, um, also in, in community development, and I serve on Queen's Council and try to be active in the Queen's community. So Tika, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your time at Queen's before convocation. Can you share some of your memories? Perhaps uh, tell us a little bit about what you were studying, what some of your favorite courses were when you were in poli-sci, maybe some of the activities that you were also engaged in while you were still a student. Great. Um, so one of my fondest memories uh, of my time at Queen's was uh, being a cast member of the Vagina Monologues in first. Uh, I remember watching it in high school. I probably should not have watched it. it I don't know if anybody remembers Cineplex, but it was Cineplex late at night or HBO late at night. And I was in high school and I was like, what is the show talking about vaginas? Um, <laughs> so fell in love with the vagina monologues then and was just 
blown over when I saw that it was a show that the Queen's community put on, um, auditioned, got the role, and it was, it was, it was a fantastic experience. It was one of the first um, introductions for me to what Queens could be outside of the classroom um, and what it means to form community outside of, of, you know, just the academics here. And it was a, a great experience to bond with these, you know, other young, young women who were, were all figuring out ourselves and being on our own for the first time and, you know, talking about what it meant to become feminist um, in in this space and to figure out our politics and how that tied into our academics. And then you put on the show and lots of people show up and you have to remember your lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody got a wonderful hug and thumbs up at the end when we made it through through our piece. And that sort of sparked, sparked for me um, an interest in really developing community while I was at Queens. I was also part of the African Caribbean Students Association uh, for the four years that I was there. Um, I co-chaired Black History Month Kingston committee for a few years, was on the Oprah board, did a couple other plays in the classics department. Uh, I took a classics course in first year and that prof was also writing plays. So just found ways to really be involved. in the Queen's community outside of just going to the classroom, which I think is such a small part of what it means to be a Queen's Queen's student. Um, and certainly as, you know, a, a Black student at Queen's, and I think we're all aware of what happened in 2020 and sort of some of the issues that students of color and Indigenous students continue to raise about the culture at Queen's, had some experiences that were also not positive, Um, but overwhelmingly I had communities uh, there and formed friendships that have remained with me since my time at Queens. Some of my closest friends now are folks that I I met in, you know, a random TA (laughs) tutorial. Um, We met in tutorial and and continued to build our friendship while there. And now we've grown into adults with houses and marriages and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but Queens was a place that we we found each other, and I'll always be grateful um, for that. Uh, did some work with the AMS as well, uh, and in my fourth year, I was uh, co-chair of CARID, which I think now stands for the Committee Against Racism and Ethnic Discrimination. <laughs> I, I think that's what, I'll have to go back and check. Uh, I think that's what it was, but hosted uh, an anti-racism conference in my last year. And Patrick Dean was a VP at the time and was very supportive. So, so happy to see him return um, as principal to Queens. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing some of your story for, uh, as an undergrad at Queens University. Appreciate that. So now you've returned to Queens as a volunteer because you are a member of University Council. Love to hear a little bit more about University Council and your role on it. And also, what inspired you to run in the first place? Sure. Um, you know, after leaving Queens, and I think this happens to a lot of um, alumni, you spend your time and then you get caught up in just building a career or 
moving on to other studies, if that's what you, you do after. And queens in some ways can become an afterthought. Um, my roommates and I would meet each other once a year. And sorry for this, it's not going to be a long story, but it's really uh, how I returned to Queens <laughs> physically and, and spiritually in, in some sense. Uh, my roommates and I would, would gather somewhere in, in Toronto because we mostly lived um, in this side. And a few of them were married with kids and we decided one year, four years ago now, it would have been that we wanted to meet up in Kingston mm. weekend. Um, and so the six of us and a couple of the husbands and babies <laughs> were in Kingston for the weekend and we drove around campus. We went to our old house on Collingwood Street um, and the, the young people who lived there now allowed us to come in and do a walkthrough and look at our old bedrooms. And it was, it was a flood of like happy memories for me. And just a reminder of how much Queens and the communities that I had there uh, mean to me and meant to me at the time. And so much of who I am currently, um, both professionally and personally, mm -hmm. things I got from Queens and built at Queens. And so I was really interested in returning to the Queens community somehow. Um, and then at the time, uh, Principal Wolf had started to do a lot of work around diversity and inclusion uh, at the university. And I thought, okay, this would be a good marriage between sort of the work I've been doing since I left Queens and, uh, you know, what Queens is trying to accomplish. And so ran for Queens Council, won, and that was the start of my, my four-year term. And since I've been on Queen's Council, um, I started out on the Special Committee for Diversity and Inclusion. Mm -hmm. I was elected to the nominating committee, which has been fantastic to see since I've been on Queen's Council, just how much interest alumni um, are now showing in Queen's Council. We have like upwards of 70 people running per election for the last few years. Um, and quite a number of those, I think, are racialized alumni and, you know, not to return to sort of uh, the, the negative experiences, but it's, it's also very heartening to see that students who may have had very tenuous relationships with the Queen's community saying, but it is still my community. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I belong here. I own it. And I want to uh, return and... Uh, give back to building this community and bettering this community. So now let's hear more about your thoughts on ensuring the best student experience possible, uh, especially for students this year at Queen's University, who many of whom are studying at home, uh, maybe not even in Kingston at this point. Mm -hmm. Some people are actually at home wherever they've come, they have come from. Yes. Um, so how do you have the best Queen's experience possible while we are still otherwise in isolation? Yes. Um, you know, the pandemic has, has really been difficult, I think, for, for everyone, um, students and instructors alike. And so much of what Queen's is, is built around physically being in Kingston um, and building community with folks in person. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really regretful that uh, our students, particularly our first year students and those in their final year are missing out 
on what it is to to be on campus and to be with their you know their their fellow students um, and and faculty members. But I think uh, we can still build community and find ways to build community. Uh, and the virtual the virtual world allows us to do so um, in new and unique ways. So I know as a student myself, I have Zoom parties <laughs> with some of my classmates. Um, and I know it sounds strange, but just seeing their faces means, means so much. Like we can't grab a coffee on campus, you know, sort of spontaneously. But mm -hmm. and say, I just, I just want to sit with you and see you um, and have a conversation that's completely unrelated to school. And so I really encourage our students to continue to to do that for those who already have community, uh, keep in touch with those people, connect with them. Um, and it, it's difficult not to be in person, but a Zoom call or a phone call, you know, going back to when you and I were at Queens and we did not have all of this technology and, and made actual phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, encourage folks to go back to some of what is now the old school methods. Um, and for first year students, you know, tag, tag a friend in your tutorial if there's somebody you think you really get along with. Maybe it could just be you and that person for, for the rest of the year. And then hopefully in September, we'll return to some sense of normalcy um, and everyone can return to Kingston and, and be on campus and see each other live and direct. Okay, fantastic. And now, what about alumni? How do they stay connected with each other and, and maybe with Queen's University through the pandemic? Uh, get involved with your branch. Uh, I think it's certainly being a part of your branch, your local branch is certainly one way for alumni initially to be connected. Um, and I, I belong to the, the Toronto, Toronto branch and, and sadly uh, did not uh, become <laughs> involved with, with their work until till most recently. Um, but it's certainly one, one way and one fantastic way of staying in touch with, um, with the Queen's community as an alumni. I love to read the Queen's Alumni Review Magazine and it could be the nerd in me, but there, there's so many interesting things happening at Queen's. Um, and it's hard as somebody who, even when you're on campus, I think as a student, it is hard to keep abreast of all that is happening but I find that is certainly one source of information that makes me go, oh, this is, this is interesting, this is fantastic. I didn't know that we, we were doing this um, at Queens and I'd like to get connected with that particular thing because it, uh, it resonates with me. And so, you know, th that's another channel that I encourage alumni to, to participating. And then there is Queens Council. Uh, and I think everyone should, everyone should run, throw your name, um, in the hat, you may not be successful your first term, but there's a, you know, keep, keep going at it. Um, each year, there are 10 positions that come up. Um, and at Queens Council, you are part of the governance of the institution, but there's also opportunities to um, get voted onto the board of trustees, which is an, another opportunity for our alumni community to really participate in shaping um, present queens and, and future queens. So I certainly tell everyone that I, I come in touch with to please consider Queens Council if you haven't. 
um, before, and there's the QUAA, and I'm sure you'll speak to council members who are um, avid members and leaders of, of the Queen's uh, University Alumni Association have a lot more to say, but there's certainly lots of bodies at Queen's uh, for alumni to get connected with. Um, and just a, you know, a reminder, which is something I'm learning to take at heart as, as time goes by that I'm always an ambassador for Queens. And everyone who meets me gets a little part of, of Queens. And so it is important for me and incumbent on me to always represent um, the university and the Queens community in, in the best light that I can and in, encourage you know, high school students who are starting to think about university to keep Queens as, as an option. And so for those who want to get involved, you don't necessarily have to be directly involved um, with the Queens, you know, with the governance of Queens, but you're certainly always an ambassador for Queens and there are always opportunities for you to share um, your stories and reflections of, of the university. Sage, sage advice. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Anything else to add before we wrap it up today? Uh, run for Queen's Council. <laughs> um, <laughs> the calls are going to come out in a couple months. So please, please consider that. I know COVID is, and I'm, I'm sort of plugging fundraising, even though it's not the thing I do, but I would remiss if I didn't say it is, it is a difficult time for students who would otherwise be um, marginalized in other ways and would like to get a Queen's education. So if you happen to be one of those fortunate people who have managed to keep your job over COVID um, and you have the ability and capacity to donate, please consider donating to any number of bursaries at Queen's because there are students, even though they're studying virtually, who are really having a difficult time um, getting their post-secondary education and rely on alumni to be um, not philanthropic when we can. Wow. Thank you so much, Tika, for your time and our, our chat today, all about your time at Queen's, where you've been since Queen's, and of course, your time on University Council. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you, Diana. Same here. Um, and consider running for Queen's Council, even though I know you're, <laughs> you're already very involved with CFRC. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. everyone. Welcome to another episode of In Session, Conversations with University Counselors. I'm Dinah Jansen, and today we are in the virtual studio with Susan Smith, Queen's University alumna and member of University Council. Thanks for joining us here on CFRC. Thanks for having me, Dinah. I always wanted to be on CFRC when I was a student at Queen's. This is exciting to do it now. It's great to have you here as our alumna. Thank you so much. Now, Susan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe a little bit about what you do for a living? Well, I'm a Queens 91. I was a poli-sci grad at university. I'm now a mom. I have a 20-year-old myself uh, and I'm a small business owner. I'm a partner in a public affairs firm in Ottawa. It's called Blue Sky Strategy Group. 
And I'm kind of lucky because I get to take what I learned in poli sci and in life and deploy it in my daily life, in my job. Amazing. So let's flesh that out a little. It's really nice to hear that uh, you actually have a job in your field. How did you get from convocation all the way through to founding your own public affairs firm? Yes, my mother's happy that I'm gainfully employed. Um, <laughs> I, I love politics at university and I grew up in Ottawa and it, uh, Parliament Hill is so present in Ottawa. And I always wanted to work in federal politics. I really thought it was cool that uh, the nation's capital was where I grew up and where public policy happened, where people made decisions that impacted the lives of Canadians. So when I graduated from university, one of my goals was to work on Parliament Hill and I was lucky enough to work in a backbench MP's office. After that, I ended up in a public affairs firm where I learned about the world of communications, public relations, and a little bit about the world of lobbying or public affairs. And uh, from there, I went back to Parliament Hill. And when there was a change in government, I went and went, worked at a minister's office as a communications advisor and a press secretary to a minister. So I got to see the inside, the sausage making, if you will, of Canadian public policy, both from the political and the policy side. And then took that to the world of consulting after that, mostly uh, originally from pub a public relations and a strategic communications perspective. I'm a bit of a, I'm still a political nerd and I loved communicating public policy ideas. There's lots of people who are really good marketers and they love to tell stories about beer and hotels and things like that. I've done that, but it was most fun for me to take a public policy idea or a program and try to make people care. And then that eventually evolved to government relations and lobbying. And that's really, it's very exciting because you take what you've learned, you take the accumulation of what you've learned about how policy is made and how political decisions are made and your network after nearly 30 years doing this, um, you figure out what the push pull is in the mix and who's making the decisions and what, what factors influence those decision makers and then how you can get to those influencers to try and get the outcome that you're looking for. And you get to help people, it's problem solving. Amazing. So tell us a little bit more about how you founded your own firm. Oh, well, that uh, I was working at a public affairs firm. I was doing PR and communications. And my one of my colleagues and I decided that it was time for us to try our own thing. So at the time, I was a little crazy. It was a bit of a back of the envelope exercise. I was 31 years old and a single mother, had no paycheck to fall back on, and, and which probably should have known better, but did it anyway. And we Two of us set up shop, Blue Sky Strategy Group, my business partner, Tim Barber, and myself. And I'm proud to say that uh, 18 years later, we are still in business together. Uh, and um, we've learned a ton over the years. Uh, and we really enjoy what we do. We're excited every day. We are surrounded by a really talented team of people. We have former members of parliament. I've got former journalists. I've got keen young ex-Hill staffers, people from all stripes. And so we help clients across the country and quite frankly, around the world navigate, um, navigate mostly the federal corridors of power, but also certainly at the provincial level. We help people tell their story to who they need to tell it to. And sometimes it's the media and sometimes it's the politicians and sometimes it's the officials, the bureaucrats who are making those decisions and it all rolls into one and hopefully and usually delivers results. Okay. Now, I also heard something a little bit surprising, actually, something that surprised me a little. Is it true that you're one of the very few women 
who is a founder of a public affairs firm in Ottawa. At the moment, that's probably true, I think. Uh, there aren't very many women who are the principals and co-founders of their firms at the time. There are definitely women in ownership and leadership positions in the government relations industry in Ottawa, but I think I'm about the only one at the moment who's uh, an owner and a co-founder. It's a great, it's a very, very interesting profession. It's not something when I was a poli-sci student that I knew very much about. Lobbying was a nascent industry in those days, um, but it's evolved. It's very rigorous. There are lobbying acts and statutes and things we must follow, very strict rules that we must abide by. But it's a really, really valuable part of the public policy process. The officials and the politicians couldn't possibly know all of the ins and outs of a business or what's going on in the ground or how necessarily a policy might impact somebody or challenges or problems people are might having. So a registered lobbyist, which is what I am, and companies employ them in-house, I'm a hired gun. We help, we're interlocutors. I used to joke we're the DMZ. I'm where the, the politicians can't, and the, and the, and the in-between zone for the politicians and the, and the real world out there or the public, the officials in the real world out there to help um, bridge the gap. And, We've had some good impact over the years and it's very, it's satisfying work, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, Susan, I'd like to pivot back into history, if you will, and talk about your time at Queen's. You said that you graduated uh, from poli-sci, I believe in 91, if I'm correct. Yes, that's right. So tell us a little bit about your time at Queen's, uh, some, some of the classes that you were in, maybe some of the uh, extracurricular activities you were engaged in. What were you up to when you were an arts-i student? Well, the two key things, one, I was quite involved in Frosh Week. Um, you know, I was a, a, a participant Frosh like everybody else that I was a gale, but in, when I was in third year, I was lucky enough to be one of the head gales. There was a committee of five of us and I was one of the ones on that team and that was amazing. But the most, I, I think, uh, underlying thread throughout my time at Queen's was the Quiet Pub, the QP. Uh, I was lucky mm -hmm. enough to get on staff in second year. So I was a bartender. And then in third year, I was a waitress. And then in fourth year, I was the manager. So I had a team of three other managers. There were four of us in total. And we had a staff of 30. And I learned a lot. It was a tremendous way, you know, addition to my classroom learning, which, of course, was why I was at school. I left um, both with an education uh, from a book sense and I left with an education from a people sense and a bit of a business sense because we were running a business on campus. I had to deal with staff and staffing issues and staffing complaints, kind of HR, you know, somebody didn't show up for a shift and how do you deal with all that? And the, pub the public side of things, the face, clients, customers in the, in the pub. And so that was an exceptionally memorable part of school. I love the politics, the, the wall, um, the wall came down when I was a third year student. I remember mm -hmm. being in class with one of my profs and we were studying the Cold War and, and basically we chucked the textbook and you know it was about what was going on in the newspaper every day because history was happening right in front of us. And that was really, really quite remarkable. Um, so Queens of course was um, incredibly uh, memorable for me. I'm very, very attached to the school in my heart. Uh, and it gave me a lot, both from an education perspective, as well as really preparing me for life um, and, and working with people. And I can say with all honesty that my first, I guess my second real job after my job in Parliament, my first job in Parliament Hill was with a big PR firm. And nobody had been doing that kind of thing. But the thing that my boss, the guy who hired me really liked 
was that I'd run the pub and I'd done a staff manual and I'd had to hire people and I had responsibilities. And he, he I remember him saying to me at, at the time that that had set me apart from other candidates. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. All right. So already having some leadership experience in a number of capacities. And I could make a good snowball and chocolate banana monkey. (laughs) And perhaps some of our listeners now remember exactly that tasty beverage. That's when three ounce drinks were legal too. Oh my goodness. Well, not anymore. (laughs) All right. So Thank you again for talking uh, about your time at Queen's University. And it's so nice to have you on our airwaves here at CFRC and also back at Queen's in a way because of your service to the university through University Council. Can you tell us a little bit about your time on University Council and uh, what inspired you to participate and run for election? Uh, well, it's the first time I'd run for an election for a position at Queen's. And, and you know, it's a little bit scary to put yourself out there and hope that people will vote for you. Uh, I'm glad to be part of University Council now because the the university is evolving and growing and and it's exciting to be part of that with a new principal and and a new vision. Um, I wanted to be part of that and I wanted to give back and I I wanted to learn and be closer to what was going on on campus. And at the same time, perhaps share or or, um, contribute a little bit of what my world real life experience has been in conjunction with the other members of council and make that contribution back into the university. So it's been very um, enjoyable, very, very worthwhile. Uh, the council this year was, is focused on EDII and, and really um, with us it kind of in an ambassadorial role, trying to have some influence there and being equipped as we go out. There's also gonna be a new chancellor chosen. It's one of the key responsibilities of council and that's very exciting. And what I've really enjoyed actually is the opportunity to interact as well with the administration and they're listening, you know, ideas, mm-hmm. ideas that you share with somebody in a passing conversation happen. And that's really exciting to see. Wonderful. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit more about some of the activities you've been engaged in. You mentioned, for example, EDII, maybe for some of our listeners, could you expand on some of the things that council has been looking at with with regards to EDII? So EDII is equity, diversity, inclusion, and indigeneity, which I think Queens has been very um, uh, forward thinking reflecting maybe not such a great past. We have a long way to come, I think, as a university, but I would say uh, that they're making a huge effort. And I would say um, brilliantly that council, I wouldn't say brilliantly, that council is brilliant, that our alumni have elected a very diverse council and it's much more reflective of the student body. And we're hearing many voices about people's different experiences on campus, uh, which may not have been the same as mine. I'm a white kid from Ottawa. Uh, I, I'm you know, learning and hearing experiences of kids from Scarborough whose friends said to them, or who are now grownups, whose friends said to them, why do you want to go to Queens? You're not going to fit in there. And they went in anyway. And I think on the whole, they had a good experience at Queens, but they definitely experienced things in their student days that were, di- that were negative and, and not what my experience was. So I'm very I'm very pleased to be part of a council that's trying to broaden its own knowledge and understanding and equip us to go out. And when we do get asked questions about why should I go to Queens or if we meet those kids 
who aren't sure if they fit on Queens campus that we can encourage them to do that. There's, there's um, training sessions we've been doing, there's readings and books that we've been sent that we're following up on. And, and so that's something I think very concrete that, that University Council is doing. And uh, I think it's an example or it's, it's evidence, another piece of evidence that the university itself is really trying to, um, I don't wanna say press the reset button, but, but improve um, the experience for every student on campus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Now, speaking of student experience, I wonder if there's any advice that you might have for current students at Queen's University who, as you know, are studying remotely and uh, haven't had the opportunity to uh, get out and be as engaged as they otherwise normally would. Um, how might they be engaged with each other while they're still studying from their respective homes? Mm -hmm. The first thing I would say is hang in there. It's been a tough year. Uh, don't give up. Queen's is amazing. You know that you haven't had the year that you thought you were going to have, whether you're a frosh or a second year or third year or fourth year, but just hang in there because the Queen's experience on the whole uh, is worth it. And it sets you off on a phenomenal lifelong path with a phenomenal network of uh, alumni to draw upon. Uh, I would reach out, I would dig into the university, the website and see what's offered. You know, these Zoom and Teams and and all kinds of fora are there for people to, to join and participate. Find out what you can do yourself. If, the, if you were on the improv team or the improv club before, there's, there's, you know, there's software that you guys can get together and do it again. And stay in touch with your own friends and your own network that's there. And the minute you're allowed to safely get back to campus, get back to campus. Follow the rules, stay safe. And when you show up, join up. Um, uh, stick your hand up, join things. Even if you're shy, grab a friend and go it. Um, there's always somebody who's more shy than you are to do something. And Queens will be, Queens will give you what you want to take out of it. Um, but you have to put the effort in yourself. And that's in the classroom and that's outside the classroom. And like I said, my learning and what I took away from Queens University was both in the classroom, but it absolutely was beyond the classroom too. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that advice. And now, and now thinking about alumni, how can alumni stay better connected no matter where they might be in the world right now? Oh, Instagram, Facebook, get on the website. Those are the easy things. I mean, we're all probably Instagram or Facebook hounds. Um, just join, follow, that's a good way to start because the university is really good about posting things. Uh, again, put up your hand if you have time. Some things, uh, you know, some commitments are huge. Uh, being on part of universe, a, trust, a board of trustees member, that's a huge commitment, I think, for people. Being on council is once a year, but um, follow what's going on, donate, check out the website, read the Queen's Gazette. It's an easy thing to click on, gets it, comes to your mailbox uh, very frequently. And I read the headlines sometimes, and sometimes I dive into the rest of it. So it's up to you and, and connect with your friends. You know, send a note, send an email, say hi, like their Facebook post, like their Instagram post. It'll surprisingly uh, keep you in touch. I heard a rumor that there could be two live homecoming events this year. I'm coming up for my 30th year. If we're allowed to go there safely, I will be there. Show up for homecoming. All the fun people show up for homecoming. And I know there'll be virtual components too. This is what I was told actually just on a call today. So if you can't show up in person, join online. Uh, stay in touch with your classmates that way. Uh, it was a really great pack of people you probably were at school with. If you didn't like all of them, you probably liked one or two. Find them too and um, celebrate. Uh, celebrate the reason you went to Queens. 
and, and try and remember the reason you went to Queens. Thank you so much. So now, before we close, with university council elections soon coming later this spring, do you have any um, insights as to why alumni might like to run for a position? Well, it's an individual choice, obviously, but if you've, if you've enjoyed your time at Queen's and you want to give back, put your name forward. It's a great way to connect with not only perhaps one or two people who were in your year, but what I've really enjoyed about it is the, the, the range of alumni that I've been able to meet through council. They're, from, they're younger than I am. Lots of people are younger than I am these days. They're older than I am. There's still a few involved. And like I said, they've all had a, not everybody's had uh, the exact same experience on campus because we're not the exact same people. And I think that can bring, you can give back to the school, but there's also something that you can take away from it too. So absolutely put your name forward for university council. You can have an influence, you can have a say. Don't forget Queen's Day when it comes up this fall. That's another thing alumni can do. We have a Queen's Day now. Put your Queen's gear on, have a beer, virtually or in person with people. Uh, it's great fun and maybe we'll see them at homecoming too. So anything else to add before we sign off today? Keep recruiting people to go to Queen's. Uh, I, I, and keep taking those coffee meetings with the, the young uh, alumni who wanna meet with you or the new grads. Uh, two things I would say. I always encourage young people to go to Queen's. Uh, it, it has had, as you can tell, perhaps an indelible uh, impact on me and my life uh, for the better. And uh, I always take a coffee meeting with um, a, a young alum or answer an email from a young alum who wants to know about the government relations or wants to know about politics or working on Parliament Hill or, or, or you know, what to study next or when to go back to school. I always talk to young people. So for the alum that are out there, keep doing that too. That's, that's a key role that we all can play. Thank you so much. What sage advice that is too. Fantastic conversation with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Folks, we've been talking with Susan Smith, Queen's University alumna and uh, member of University Council, all about her fabulous career in public affairs in Ottawa, the work that she does on University Council, her time at Queen's and beyond. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for your time, Dinah. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.